Good morning. This is 5 at 8. Today's Friday, September 8th, 2023, and here is the day's top news. Your hosts are Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman. In this episode, we will talk about Goldman Sachs' lawsuit in Moscow, Swedish steel company H2 Green Steel securing funding for a flagship plant, concerns over the affordability of NASA's space launch system rocket, Chinese operatives using AI for disinformation, and China's ban on Apple smartphones in government agencies. Story number one. Goldman Sachs is arguing in a Moscow court that a $6.3 million lawsuit against it by Russia's Otkriti Bank should be heard in London instead, as reported by Reuters. Otkriti claims that Goldman owes the money in connection with a derivatives agreement and wants the claim to be handled in the Moscow arbitration court. Otkriti had previously sequestered Goldman's assets in Russia at their request. The lawsuit is currently being adjourned, with the hearing set to resume on Friday. This Goldman Sachs and Akriti Bank situation, Linda, it's a classic example of how complex international legal cases can become. I mean, at the heart of it all is a $6.3 million lawsuit, but it's not just about the money. It's about where the case should be heard, Moscow or London. Exactly. It underlines how jurisdiction becomes a critical factor in these cases. Otkriti Bank argues that sanctions against Moscow by the U.S. and Britain have essentially blocked their access to justice in the U.K. It's not a simple matter of getting a visa and flying to London for the hearings, as suggested by Goldman's lawyer. Yeah, Linda, it's not like they're deciding where to have dinner, right? This has serious implications. If the case is heard in London, it could be seen as a nod to international law and the global financial system. But if it's heard in Moscow, it's a win for national sovereignty and perhaps a blow to the Western sanctions. And this isn't just about these two parties. It's a precedent. Think about other international disputes where the cases heard can be pivotal. And it's not just a legal decision. Politics inevitably play a role. Just look at the geopolitical unrest and the impact of sanctions. True, Linda. It just goes to show that the world of business isn't as cut and dried as we'd like to think. Every decision, every dispute, has a ripple effect. And in this case, it's not just about Goldman Sachs and Otkriti Bank, it's about the larger international business community and the impact on their decisions moving forward. These are not isolated events. They're intertwined with the global economic and political landscape. It reminds us that in an increasingly connected world, the resolution of such disputes needs to consider a myriad of factors beyond just the immediate parties involved. Story number two. According to Reuters, Swedish steel company H2 Green Steel has secured approximately 1.5 billion euros, 1.6 billion dollars, in equity funding to construct a flagship plant in Boden, Sweden. The private placement round was co-led by new investor High24 and included existing investors Alter, GIC and Just Climate, as well as new investors Andra AP Fonden and Temasek. The funding will be used to build the world's first large-scale green steel plant and Europe's first gigascale electrolyzer, H2. Green Steel aims to begin steelmaking operations in Bowdoin by the end of 2025, using hydrogen produced from renewable electricity, resulting in up to 95% lower CO2 emissions compared to traditional blast furnace technology. Morgan Stanley acted as the sole financial advisor for the private placement. Do you remember the time when heavy industries like steel production were synonymous with pollution and environmental degradation? Well, those days are becoming history, thanks to companies like H2 Green Steel. 
They're pioneering a shift in the industry with their plan to launch the world's first large-scale green steel plant. It's a game-changer, Linda. They're using hydrogen produced from renewable electricity instead of coal. Imagine that. They're predicting a reduction in CO2 emissions by up to 95% compared to traditional steel-making methods. Now that's an innovation I can get behind. It's not just a technological leap, but a transformative shift in how we perceive heavy industry. And interestingly, the private sector is fueling this change. They've raised about 1.5 billion euros in equity funding for this venture. That's a testament to the growing confidence in clean technologies and their potential return on investment, not to mention the positive environmental impact. It really is a win-win scenario. You're spot on, Linda. And it's not just about one industry. This shift towards sustainability has broad implications for global efforts to combat climate change. If H2 Green Steel can pull this off, it could set a precedent for other heavy industries to follow. This could be the beginning of a green industrial revolution. This development brings to mind historic industrial shifts driven by socioeconomic needs and environmental imperatives. It's a reminder that as a global society, we have the capacity to innovate and adapt when faced with challenges. And the role of policy incentives can't be underestimated here. The right policies can significantly facilitate the rise of green industrial activity. And it's something we should be actively pursuing. Story number three. NASA's Space Launch System, SLS rocket, crucial for the Artemis program to establish a moon base, is deemed unaffordable by senior NASA officials, as reported by CNN International. The U.S. Government Accountability Office's report criticizes the lack of transparency regarding the program's costs and states that NASA recognizes the need to improve affordability. Efforts to stabilize the flight schedule, increase efficiencies, encourage innovation, and reduce cost risk are outlined in a roadmap developed by the SLS program, according to CNN International. The report also highlights ongoing criticism from government watchdogs regarding contracting issues and transparency problems. Furthermore, as stated by CNN International, the GAO report reveals that NASA has not implemented a recommendation to develop a cost baseline for missions using the SLS Block 1 rocket. Additionally, CNN International reports that the report states NASA does not plan to measure production costs to monitor the affordability of its most powerful rocket. The SLS program has already spent nearly $12 billion, and according to CNN International, NASA has requested over $11 billion in its recent budget request to fund the program for the next four years. There's a lot to unpack here, Linda. The Space Launch System, or SLS, is a crucial part of NASA's Artemis program. The goal? Landing humans on the moon again. But now senior NASA officials are calling the SLS unaffordable. This isn't just small change we're talking about. The report says that nearly $12 billion has already been spent on developing the SLS. The numbers are staggering. And yet, the potential scientific and technological advancements that could come from the Artemis program are also enormous. While the cost is a significant concern, we also have to consider the potential benefits. This is a classic tension between cost-effectiveness and ambition. Right on the money, Linda. This reminds me of the critique on the Apollo program expenses back in the 60s. But look at what we gained from that. First humans on the moon, massive advancements in technology. So the question is, can we afford not to invest in such projects? That's a valid point, Mark. 
But we also need to consider transparency and accountability. The report criticizes NASA for not being transparent about the ongoing costs of the SLS program. We need a balance of ambition and cost, but also transparency and responsible spending. You're spot on, Linda. The balance is crucial. We should also look at how private companies like SpaceX are managing their ambitious projects like Starship. Are they facing similar issues, or is there something we can learn from them? That's a great thought, Mark. There's definitely a lot to learn from various sources. But at the end of the day, the question remains. Given the cost, the potential benefits, and the need for transparency, how should we prioritize our scientific ambitions? Story number four. Chinese operatives have been using artificial intelligence, AI, to create images that mimic American voters and spread disinformation on social media, according to Microsoft analysts as reported by CNN International. The campaign, which has been ongoing for the past nine months, involves the posting of AI-generated images depicting the Statue of Liberty and the Black Lives Matter movement. The goal is to denigrate U.S. political figures and symbols ahead of the 2024 U.S. election. The images were propagated by real people on social media, potentially without their knowledge. Microsoft stated that the social media accounts involved were affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party. Concerns are rising regarding the use of AI by foreign adversaries to sow disinformation and amplify divisions among U.S. voters. Are we headed towards a new form of warfare, Linda? This recent report from Microsoft about Chinese operatives using AI to mimic American voters and spread disinformation is quite disturbing. It's like modern warfare has moved from the battlefield to the digital sphere. It's a new form of global conflict that doesn't involve guns or bombs, but algorithms and deep fakes. It's an unsettling development. And what's even more concerning is that these AI-generated images are becoming more convincing. The average person would have a hard time distinguishing between a real photo and an AI-generated one. And to think these images are being used to stoke political tensions and manipulate perceptions, it's quite alarming. It's like a digital Trojan horse, isn't it? These foreign actors gain access to our social media feeds and then use AI to amplify existing divisions. It's a smart strategy. I'll give them that. But it's also incredibly harmful. It undermines the very fabric of our democratic society. And what's more, it's not the first time we're seeing this. We can't forget the 2016 U.S. presidential elections when Russian operatives used Facebook and Twitter for the same purpose. These incidents show a pattern of foreign powers using technology to interfere in our democratic processes. It's a wake-up call for us to develop more robust defenses against these digital threats. But the question is, how do we combat this? Tech companies and government agencies might be playing catch-up with these cyber threats, but they need to be proactive, not reactive. There's a lot at stake here. Our national security, the integrity of our elections, and the trust of the American people. Definitely, Mark. And while we're on this, let's not forget about the ethical implications of using AI in this way. It's one thing to use AI for improving lives or driving innovation, but using it for disinformation and manipulation is a whole another matter. It's a misuse of technology, and it's important that we have regulations in place to prevent such misuse. I couldn't have said it better myself, Linda. It's a fine line we're walking, and we need to ensure that we're using AI responsibly. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about technology. It's about the values we uphold as a society. Story number five. 
China has reportedly banned the use of Apple smartphones in central government agencies, leading to a decline in Apple's shares, as reported by Al Jazeera. This follows growing tensions between China and the United States. The ban is expected to be expanded to government-backed agencies and state companies. China has been promoting the use of locally made tech products, and government agencies and state-owned enterprises have been at the forefront of this campaign. The move may impact Apple's sales growth in China, which is one of its biggest markets. The ban raises concerns for other U.S. tech companies doing business in China. When I heard about China barring the use of Apple smartphones in central government agencies and state-backed entities, I had a sense of deja vu, Linda. It's not the first time we've seen such a move, right? It's a clear case of technological nationalism, if you ask me. This is China prioritizing locally made tech products over foreign ones. And it's a trend we're seeing more and more of, not just in China, but globally. And it's not just about economics. It's about security, too. It's a complex issue involving multiple layers of economic, political, and security considerations. The concern for security is really at the forefront here, with technology becoming a major national security issue for both Beijing and Washington. But it's also about national pride and independence, about building and promoting domestic capabilities. It's reminiscent of the Made in America movements we've seen here in the U.S. And let's not forget the economic implications for Apple. China is a huge market for them, accounting for nearly a fifth of their revenue. With this ban, I worry about the potential slowdown in Apple's sales growth in China. But it's not just a challenge for Apple. It could also spell trouble for other U.S. tech companies doing business in China. If the Chinese government can make things difficult for Apple, they can do the same for other companies, too. That's a very valid point, Mark. This move, while targeted at Apple, sends a clear signal to other foreign companies. It's a stark reminder of the risks involved when doing business in a foreign country, especially one with a different political and economic system. But it's not just about the immediate economic impact. It also raises questions about the mutual dependencies of global supply chains and the potential repercussions of these tech wars between nations. And talking about tech wars, this is not an isolated incident. It's part of a larger narrative of economic protectionism and national security concerns. Remember the Huawei case? The U.S. government has been quite vocal about its concerns over Huawei's close ties with the Chinese government. And now we're seeing China retaliating with a similar move against Apple. It's like a high-stakes game of chess. The economic and political landscapes are intertwined and the implications are far-reaching. It's a delicate balance, trying to safeguard national security interests while also promoting economic growth and integration. It's a challenging situation, and one that companies, governments, and indeed all of us will have to navigate in this increasingly interconnected world. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.